The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz. This is the Pet Buzz. Freshly collected with news, celebrity pet gossip, and the latest pet trends. Hosted by pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. And here's the Dynamic Pet Duo. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We welcome our pet lovers who tune in each week to listen to the Pet Buzz. We're happy being with you and we love sharing news from around the world. You know, I've joined the ranks of mourners. I I was sorry to hear about the death of the legendary singer Tony Bennett. Did you know that he was a dog lover? Well, he had two Maltese named Happy and Buddy, and I was touched when I read a letter that Bennett wrote to his dog, Happy, the senior of the two. This letter appeared in a book entitled A Letter to My Dog, which you can find on Amazon. It's a book of letters that notables and other celebrities wrote to their pets. So I want to share with you uh, the letter that Tony Bennett wrote to Happy. Dear Happy, before I met you, I always thought that happiness was just an emotion intangible not something you could feel or touch from the first moment i saw you i knew we would call you happy and now i know that happiness is something that can lick your face jump on your lap run around in excited circles when i come home and make me laugh out loud i'm sorry that there are many times because of my schedule and having to travel on the road that i don't get to see you for a few days but i know that the greeting you will give me when i return home will be the size of a tidal wave which is so unbelievable because you only weigh seven pounds. I guess I know now that happiness is a thing called happy. And that is what you have made me. Dr. Fleck, pet lovers can relate. Yes, absolutely. They can. It's a great letter, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It was fantastic. And it, it just kind of reminded me of typical Tony Bennett, always a gentleman, always simple, mm-hmm. yet very happy. Um, before we get into the rundown of the show, I just want to say Godspeed and rest in peace, Tony B. And thanks for bringing us so much happiness with your voice and in your song. Amen. Well, what's up this week? Give us the show rundown, Doc. Today on the Pet Buzz, we're talking about Tucker, the lab's reward for catching an escaped convict, an international golden retriever meetup, how clickbait articles target pet owners with sensational headlines, why dogs won't lie in their beds during hot weather, canine malaria, one celebrity's pet cockroach, and... Well, according to a new study from North Carolina State University, dogs who slow down physically also slow down mentally. Measuring gait speed in senior dogs could be a simple way to monitor their health and neurological function decline as they age. Really interesting. And joining us today to talk about this topic is veterinarian Dr. Natasha Olby, a professor of veterinary neurology and neurosurgery at the North Carolina State University, at the College of Veterinary Medicine, of course. She is the author or co-author of more than 100 scientific publications, as well as book chapters in a variety of veterinary textbooks and manuals. And early this month, she was named the winner of the 2023 American Veterinary Medical Association Career Achievement 
in Canine Research Award. Congratulations to you. Dr. Obi, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. I know, and a big congratulations. We didn't go to the AVMA this year, but um, we heard that you won, so we wanted to mention it. <laughs> Thank you. Well, walking speed in people is strongly associated with cognitive decline. Is this true of canines too? Well, the short answer to that question is yes. Our work would suggest it's very true. So how'd you determine that with the dogs? Uh, tell us about maybe how you conducted that study. Of course. So we did our study in pet dogs. Um, many of them are owned by he people who work here at NC State, but also just local people who want to participate. And we recruited dogs that were aged anywhere from one year of age all the way to I think our oldest participant was over 16. And then we divided these dogs into two groups based on life stage. So we had adult dogs that were anywhere older than one, up to 75% of their anticipated lifespan. And then our senior citizens, and they were older than 75% of anticipated lifespan, estimated lifespan. And then we looked at both their walking speed and their cognitive function in a number of different ways. So for walking speed, we walked them over a five meter distance and we did it repeatedly to get an average. And we did this both with them walking on leash with them setting the pace as much as that's possible and off leash when they were coming for a reward, a treat, in which case they often ran. It wasn't just walking. So it's gait speed. And then for cognition, we had two different things we did. So the first is we relied heavily on owner input. There are a number of questionnaires out there that have been well validated that ask owners to really score the frequency of certain behaviors that are associated with cognitive decline and dementia to score them. And so we use one called Cadiz, um, and that allowed us to get a sense of how these dogs were performing at home on an everyday basis. And then we have them come into our lab, actually Dr. Margaret Gruen's behavior lab, and we play games with them. And these are the cognitive tests, which let us look at memory, let us look at their ability to problem solve, their attention, how well they can sustain attention. So we were also able to look at cognition in that way. And that's how we completed the study. What kind of questions were the pet owners asked about the the normal tasks that the dogs performed? Yeah, of course. The questionnaires ask about several different domains. So for example, a really important one is sleep-wake cycle. How often is their sleep disrupted? How much do they sleep during the day? Has that changed? Another one is about their spatial awareness. Are they getting lost under the table? Are they failing to recognize familiar objects? Things like that. Um, and then we ask, I mean, there's really a variety of different things. Are they eliminating in usual places? Are they signaling to go outside in the same way as usual? Or are they just going off and having an accident somewhere they would never have done before? And each of these questions um, asks about how frequently that has happened in the last six months. Is it every day? Is it every month? Is it just once in the last six months. And that allows you to develop a score. 
the and reason- the higher the score, the worse the dysfunction. You know, the reason I ask those questions is because people who might think that their dog is acting a little odd or a little different at an older age might want to know some of the questions, right, Dr. Flair? Sure, yeah. sure. So, well, if you've just joined us, we're speaking with Dr. Natasha Olby, a professor of veterinary neurology and neurosurgery at North Carolina State University College of Veterinary Medicine about how walking speed is associated with cognitive decline. So when you were conducting um, the research, what challenges did you encounter? Oh my goodness. This, you know, the work with pet dogs is always so fun and the challenges tend to be the really good things as well. So the first is that obviously dogs come in all shapes and sizes and size is probably one of the more important things when you're thinking about walking speed. So our smallest participant was a little Yorkshire Terrier and our biggest participant was a Great Dane. Wow. And we really wanted to sample all dogs and look at all dogs. And so the first thing that we did to try and overcome that was literally to do an analysis where we looked at the limb length and we looked at whether that was associated with walking speed on leash and off leash. And it actually has a little bit less effect than you might think. Obviously, with an adult healthy dog that's running for a treat, Um, If they're going full pace to get to that treat, if they've got longer legs, they definitely go faster. And so you can control for that. Once you know that, you know there's a relationship, you can control for that in your analyses. But interestingly, when they get to that senior age, off leash, the limb length made no difference, uh, probably because there are other factors that are limiting the speed with which they can walk. And we know that bigger dogs tend to get more arthritis than little dogs. So maybe that was playing a role in that. So that was the first thing that we looked at. And I also just want to leave you with a little picture about that. And that is when you see someone who's walking multiple dogs, um, and I'm thinking New York City, that dog walker with all those different dogs, but you know, there can be little dogs and big dogs and you don't see the little dogs lagging behind. Um, They're often out in front, so attitude is everything. And so then that comes to the next issue. And that issue is that when you do anything on leash, certainly the dogs we're recruiting to our studies who want to come and play with us really want to please the owner, really want to please the handler and tend to walk at the speed of the handler, no matter how carefully you do it. Um, Even if you have a loose lead and you're letting them go, they tend to adjust their speed to the handler somewhat. So we actually found the off-leash relationships were a little bit easier to analyze and more interesting for us for that reason. I had to laugh because I can see myself and appreciate the fact that you're British, um, having a golden retriever with uh, four Charlies walking in Soho early in the morning and and the late morning and and various times I walked my dog. So my Hannah was, you know, always by my side, but the Charlies were out in front running around. So it's been, um, it's definitely been interesting. Well, we need to take a commercial break and return with Dr. Natasha Olby of North Carolina State University discussing how walking speed is associated with cognitive decline of our dogs. Also in our next segment, some of our favorites, celebrity pet buzz, 
and Pet Buzz Mailbag. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We love to communicate with you via social media. Use the Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and our buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. Thank you for joining us on The Pet Buzz. The show is hosted by the dynamic pet duo. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. Okay, well, we're back with veterinarian Dr. Natasha Olby talking about how walking speed is an indication of cognitive decline. Dr. Fleck, you had a big question. I sure do. We all want to know what's the result of the study. Aha, of course. Uh, well, uh, I'm going to go through several short phases of the results because they're all pertinent. So the first thing is, not surprisingly, as dogs get older, they walk more slowly. But it's a little bit more nuanced than that. When you look at the actual data on a graph, you see that the adult dogs actually keep walking at about the same speed, maybe a little decline. It's when they get into those senior years in the last kind of few years of their life that you see walking speed start to decline. So we know that old dogs, once they hit 75% of their expected lifespan, they start to walk slower, slowly and they progressively walk more slowly. So age in those final years is a big factor. Secondly, we did indeed find, and I'm going to talk about the off-leash um, data because I think it's a little bit less complicated because we don't have the handler there. Um, we did indeed find that the senior dogs uh, performed less well on their cognitive testing in every single one of the domains we looked at, memory, mental agility, uh, attention, things like that. Uh, they performed uh, worse if they were walking more slowly. So the slow walkers performed worse. There was a strong correlation. But then we have to circle back and say, oh, but we know older dogs kind of do worse cognitively and they also walk more slowly. So is it simply that they're getting older? So then we put age in as a covariate. So we controlled for age. And when we controlled for age, we still saw that there was a relationship between various cognitive functions. So attention and memory in particular, and ability to identify where a treat was hidden by the handler pointing to it. So social cues kind of thing was still strongly correlated to walking speed. So we do indeed feel this is a real finding and that dogs with worse cognitive performance are walking more slowly. Really beginning to sound like people, isn't it? Sure. Mm -hmm. which, which brings up my next question. And I'm curious about this. Was the study conducted the same way that they did the human study? <laughs> That's a really interesting question. So first thing to say is there are so many human studies out there, but I could say having read a lot of them, I have never seen a human study in which they offered a sweet, tasty treat for the humans to walk quickly or to do the various different types of testing they might do. So perhaps they should do that. Uh, but I think usually people are just asked very politely to do something. Uh, so there's one really big difference. We're adding a, a real motivating factor of a nice treat for the dogs. 
the walking speed is very similar. Um, it's very similar. So people, they can do timed walks over a set distance. They have all kinds of different iterations looking at how far people can walk in a certain time as well. So there are a variety of different things. And then for cognitive testing in people, again, there are so many things that they can do, but often they will start with a simple questionnaire that goes through very similar domains that, to the domains that we go through when we're testing our dogs. So it's very comparable. I guess my last question really has to do with the pet owners. So what could pet owners take away from this study, Dr. Olby? Yeah, I think that's probably the most important point here. I think we're showing quite nicely, as has been shown in people, that your ability to move uh, being linked to your cognitive function means that if you can improve or maintain your ability to move, you can support cognitive function. And we have yet to show that in dogs by intervening and seeing if we can improve their cognitive function. But we know that's true in people. So I think it's probably fairly uh, safe to assume we'll find the same thing in dogs. And so if you see your dog slowing down, it's really worth taking them to your vet and seeing, is it because they're painful? Is there anything that you can do that's simple that will help keep them mobile? Are there things in your home that you can do? Older dogs slip on floors and get afraid to move around, just like elderly people get afraid to have falls. And so can you get runners and carpets and things like that in your home to make the environment more safe for them? And then finally, spend time playing with your dog. It's good for their brain and it'll probably help their mobility as well. The relationship goes both ways. Yeah, that was my thought that we deal with with the aging person that is going into the twilight of their life. And it can be so beneficial and so rewarding to understand that that's there and to enjoy that. I kind of look at it that they gave us so much, then we turn around and give them more. And it's certainly more enjoyable for us to do that. Well, you know what, Dr. Obi, that was wonderful. Thank you for presenting that for us and our listeners. So how can our listeners learn more about your study? So this study has been published in an open source journal, a Frontiers journal. So actually, you can just Google um, Olby and uh, mobility or old dog or a variety of things. And we do try to publish all of our studies in open source journals now so that anybody can read them. And there are videos attached with all of them. So you can see us doing the tests and walking the dogs. You can see how we do everything. I think that's fantastic. And I, I think too. a lot of people will take advantage of that. They'll enjoy it. So, and it was great. Well, just to remind you, that was Dr. Natasha Olby of North Carolina State University discussing how walking speed is associated with cognitive decline of our dogs. Definitely look her up, check out the study as well as check out the videos. I think people will learn a lot from watching the videos. And enjoy it. Yeah. Dr. Olby, thank you so much for joining us. Keep us informed about what you're working on next. We'd love to have you back. Thank you very much. It's really been a pleasure. Yeah, great. Thank you. That was great. Yeah. Celebrity pet buzzes buzzing about the gooch. And now the latest, the latest news, news about, about celebrities, celebrities and their pets. It's obsession. Aren't they cute? What's the name? What's the name? 
Well, we know over the years that Snoop Dogg's had a number of dogs, and presently one of his business ventures is his line of dog products, with the line being called Snoop Doggy Dogs. But recently, Snoop Dogg revealed that he had an unusual pet named The Gooch. In a recent interview, he said he ended up with a cockroach as a pet because they never could seem to kill this particular cockroach. Snoop said that the cockroach grew to the size of a dollar bill, and they would leave food out for it. No wonder it grew to the size of a dollar bill. Go figure. I can't imagine having a cockroach as a pet. What about you? Let me know on our social media channels at the Pet Buzz, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. You've got mail. We're happy to answer your questions. Keep writing to us so that we can use your questions for the Pet Buzz mailbag. All right. This week, Charlotte, this question's for you. Rob writes from Southern California. My Bubba, a corgi, lies on the tile floor and not in that expensive dog bed that I just bought him. Is that normal? Yes, Rob, that's normal. It's my understanding that you're having a heat wave in California, so I'm not surprised that your dog prefers to lie on the floor. It's important to know that dog beds can hold in heat, especially body heat, and it makes the dogs more uncomfortable to lie in a bed, especially if it's circular. Now, if the bed is rectangular, it's a good idea to add a cooling mat over the bed to make your dog more comfortable. You can find these cooling mats almost anywhere in most brick and mortar pet stores on Walmart or Amazon.com. But you know, I love a good cot, not only outside, but also inside. Cots have an off the ground design, which also promotes increased airflow on all sides of the bed, keeping your pet cool as it creates low impact area to pressure points and joints. To keep it cooler, like I said, add a gel mat to keep your pet cool. I even have cooling mats in my car when I transport my dogs. So hope my advice helps. Good luck. And hopefully I've just solved another pet problem. Well, up next, learn more about clickbait campaigns targeting pet owners. Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections? EpiPet to the rescue. Developed by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. For more information, epi-pet.com. EpiPet is another proud sponsor of the Pet Buzz. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Buzz the best in pet talk radio where we focus on enhancing the bond between pets and their people. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. Time now for the I Likey of the Week. It's genius. It's to die for. I like it. Well, this past weekend was horrible. In 100-degree weather, my air conditioner went on the fritz, and I had to resort to fans, even for the dogs. In addition to the freestanding fans around the house, thank goodness I had crate fans to keep the dogs cooler. The Trevra 2-speed 5-inch 
pet crate fan offers quiet cooling. The best part is that it's easy to install. All you have to do is just hang it on the door of the crate or the side. It's compact and it folds, making it easy to carry and store. Additionally, it fits most crates and carriers. It requires two D batteries, so it's a good idea to keep a few extra batteries, especially in my case with four dogs and four fans. That's eight batteries. The price of the fan is about $16.99 on Amazon.com's O2 Cool Store. You know, with tornadoes, hurricane, power grid issues, and high temperatures, it's always best to be prepared for any pet emergency. Welcome to Just the Facts. Just the Facts. Fact or fiction? Just the Facts, ma'am. You want answers! I want the truth! Dr. Fleck, what are we talking about today? Malaria, possibly in dogs and cats. But first of all, let's just tell everybody that malaria is a 40% deadly disease, and it's caused by a single-celled protozoan parasite that enters the red blood cells and destroys them, leading to a condition of flu-type symptoms for the person, you know, with chills and fevers, and eventually, if untreated, produces death. Okay, so people have been hospitalized, and I know a lot of dog owners wondering if their pets can get canine malaria. That's very questionable. It's almost like the beginning of COVID when we really didn't know if if the disease was in dogs and cats. And if you read through all the literature, we can't get an answer whether it actually is in dogs and cats, but we know that it's supposed to be in all warm-blooded individuals, all animals that are warm-blooded. Okay, but I thought like quote-unquote canine malaria is known as babesiosis. In dogs, there's a disease called babesiosis. Babesiosis. But it's tick-borne, not mosquito-borne. Okay. It has similarities to what the disease malady is in people. So maybe that's why they call it canine malaria. Some of them call it that. In cats, it's cytozoonosis that's very similar to malaria. It also is tick-borne. So... Dog lovers, I wouldn't be so concerned about having malaria in your pet, but remember that malaria is transmitted by mosquitoes. Think of the other diseases that are transmitted by mosquitoes. But the dogs. one, the one they reference is babiosis. Mm-hmm. That's tick-borne. Talk a little bit about that. Does human malaria and this tick-borne disease affect the red blood cells? Yes, exactly. That's why. Oh, okay. That's why the similarity came up that they were using this as a pseudo malaria okay. disease a pseudo okay that's why i say the disease malady is very similar okay both just like it is with the cat so the dogs get feverish they get lethargic and and they could even flu die. type symptoms okay. and they can die so how do you diagnose this is it like a typical blood test or yes it's a blood test that's in the laboratory can be done actually even in in your the office, office. Mm-hmm. okay they have testing that provides that in the office It's not seen very much, so it's not really tested very much. Quite frankly, most of the time when when veterinarians test for babesiosis, it's because there's a bunch of clinical signs. They've tested for other things and can't discover any other cause. Okay, so it's not like one of the top five things that they look for. Very rare. But it's interesting, like some of the symptoms that there's weight loss, there's jaundice. Yeah, can be. 
Okay. Can be. That's why I say it's very vague. So there's flea and tick collars, there's spot on, there's ingestibles, and there's also natural sprays and repellents if you are outdoors in the woods for the day. Uh, I guess you need to to remove the ticks from your dog's coat if you're out and about, correct? Yeah. That's if really you're important. seeing ticks, that, that can be a problem. Well, anything else, Dr. Fleck? That's all the Flex fact for this week. Well, thanks, Dr. Fleck. Clickbait. <laughs> is a text or thumbnail link that is designed to attract attention and to entice users to follow that link or read, view, or listen to the linked piece of online content being typically deceptive, sensationalized, or otherwise misleading. Now, I know you're new to clickbait, Dr. Fleck, but yes. you get that so far. Okay. Really, most of the time, it's presented as a teaser that aims to inspire exploit the curiosity, the curiosity gap, providing just enough information to make readers of news websites curious, but not enough to satisfy their curiosity without them having to click through to the linked content. And now their headlines to target pet parents to click through and read these almost misleading, sensationalized, mm -hmm. and not true articles. And joining us today to discuss how clickbait is deceiving pet owners is Paul and Order founder and dog trainer, Alyssa Weimer. Greetings, Alyssa. Thanks for having me, Dr. Fleck and Charlotte Reed. I appreciate you having me back. Yeah, welcome back to the Pet Buzz. We really enjoy you being here. Yeah. And I thought she was the perfect person to discuss this because I have clicked, I've engaged in clickbait, especially when it comes to dogs, which is kind of a new thing. It really, for dog owners, has come about um, with the UK papers. And now I saw something from the AKC. It made me crazy. So I decided that I wanted to do something about this topic. So Alyssa, why is clickbait dangerous to pet owners? So here's the thing about clickbait. Mostly these companies are looking to grab your attention, just like you said, and they will use some misleading headlines to catch your attention, to get you reading. Uh, they could be misleading, exaggerated, misinformation, incorrect advice, sensationalized, just like you said. Uh, and they're usually not very accurate. And pet owners will make a lot of their decisions based on these false or exaggerated claims. And it's really important that pet owners seek out information from reputable sources, but how do they know that this person isn't reputable? Just because they say they are, anything anything can look like truth on the internet, you know that. And I've actually been researching this myself because I am my own dog trainer, I own my own company, we do our own marketing and I write my own blogs. So I have to do a little bit of this to get clicks in order to get people to the website as well. So I see it from both sides. Sure, I mean, you can make the headline exciting, but at yes. the same time, not deceptive. So yes. you had a question, Dr. Fett. Yeah, you just have to make sure it's got some accuracy to what you're saying. Exactly. So with the headlines reading, I'm a dog expert, the top 10 naughtiest pooches to own, and it's bad news if you have a Labrador, Alyssa, what's wrong with this article? So I don't necessarily agree, disagree that there's some naughty dogs out there, but first, if it's misleading. So one, I'm a dog expert. Who is this person? Who is giving them these titles? 
Also, maybe I have a lab. I'm like, wait, wait a second. I got a naughty pooch. I thought these labs were great with kids and they were supposed to be easy to train or whatever. Your neighbor had one. Now you're going to click. And most people will just read the stuff that's in the title, read a little bit of the article and think, oh, this has to be true. And it might even put some general misconception of their own dog in their brain that never was even there before. It's pretty unfair to generalize. In that article too, it, it talks about Shiba Inu's border collies, and even golden retrievers, all dogs can be naughty in their own way. And, and that's our that's our human emotions going to it. They're not thinking they're being naughty, but, um, you know, the, these people don't even read the entire article and they can summarize it just from a title. In one of these articles, I will say, I tried to reach out to one of these <laughs> dog trainers who's profiled numerous times because there was an article that was written that he wrote for one of these. And i tried writing to him he never wrote me back of course not. numerous times i wrote to him and you know he has a school and does all this trains trainers and but he never wrote me back i thought here's your opportunity to come across the pond and let people know who you are okay hey we need to take a commercial break and return with Alyssa weimer also up next global pet news and tell me something good you are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We would love to communicate with you via social media. Use The Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. So I'm a cat, and I just moved in with this new human, and she's got this little toy she's always playing with, all day long. Tap, 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 bloop, bloop. She can't put it down. There it is. Oh, and get this. She even talks to it. Last week, she asked it for Chinese, and guess what? Egg rolls showed up, like magic. Humans have cool toys. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the shelterpetproject.org. I'm petrodologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck here at the Pet Buzz. We are urban, suburban, and and country. Well, we're back with Paw and Order, Alyssa Weimer, and we're reviewing clickbait articles and how dog owners need to be wary of the advice given in these articles. So, and naughty can mean ripping something up. Well, any dog can be naughty if it's not exercised. So once again, you know, this is a misconception. Now, if I can recall, this article came from the AKC. Pet owners have to take these articles with a grain of salt. Okay, let's look at the next one. I'm a dog trainer. There's a breed that owners are never prepared for. They roll and poo can be aggressive and jealous. Tell us about this article and what's the dog they're talking about? So in this article, they're talking about Jack Russells. So I work with a lot of Jack Russells as a dog trainer because they can be a little difficult. Challenging? Challenging. (laughs) They can be. I like a challenge. That's fine for me. But yeah, they need some extra time and training, but- I also don't want people to think that all Jack Russells are like this. Have you met some pretty good Jack Russells, Charlotte? I've really never met a bad Jack Russell. I mean, they're energetic. They're exactly. They are. It's not a breed for me. And I walk my dogs when I lived in New York four times a and day. And they're a favorite at the horse shows. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, they're wonderful. They, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> 
So I've had many friends who lived in the suburbs and in the city who had Jack Russells. And I've never known a Jack Russell to roll in poo. It's all, I don't even know if it's own poo or somebody else's poo. But yeah, go- so going going back with the poo there, I haven't either, but I, I have Great Pyrenees and German Shepherds in my Shiba Inu. They will roll in poo because if they enjoy it, because that's what dogs do. Dogs do weird things. So it's not just the Jack Russells that are doing this. And now in this headline, you're talking about them being aggressive. If you don't, you haven't seen maybe a lot of Jack Russells or the average Joe hasn't been around or been exposed to a lot of Jack Russells. I'm walking down the street with my dogs or if you have kids and I see a Jack Russell on the street, I don't, I don't want people to automatically think that all Jack Russells are aggressive or that they all roll in poo uh, or they're all jealous. So I think it's not really fair to to put that all together. And that clickbait right there can make people think uh, that Jack Russells are not a good pet. And who is this dog trainer anyway? Good point. I mean, what qualifications does Sheer he have? Dr. Fleck, you have a question. Here's another article. I'm a dog expert. Four breeds to get if you're lazy, hate mess, and don't want to spend hours training them to poo outside. Can you imagine? What the devil is that? I mean, that's the worst one, right? Yeah, so this let's let's try to pick this apart here. Okay, first, I'm a dog expert. Okay, same thing as we talked before. Are you really or what 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 do you have that makes you a dog expert? Now, what I'm getting from this, let's say I'm getting one of the dogs, this is the first time dog owner, and I'm like, "Hey, I'm I'm lazy. I do not want to mess. I don't want to spend hours training my dog to poop outside. That's everybody, okay? Let's just be honest. That's just a human, humans in general. If we could ha- find a dog that checks off all those boxes, everybody would have a dog and it would be super easy, right? Because they're easy a to robotic train. A robotic dog, a robotic dog. That way you don't have to walk it. It doesn't shed and you don't have to spend hours doing anything except showing your friends this robotic dog. And you don't have to worry about it pooing because it's robotic, right? super misleading and and you're setting your dog up for failure automatically you know you're like i got this dog i don't it now it's making a mess on the floor this article said it should be an easy dog shouldn't even be pooping in the house but here i am every day cleaning up and pooping pee and i'm spending time out of my day having to train it but this article said this dog was supposed to be perfect for me uh it even talks about you know poodles being super super smart they are extremely smart i will give them that but you still have to train the dog and this article too, it says best for babies is a staffy. Those dogs are great dogs, but no dog should be left alone with a child. It kind of encourages in the article to even like leave kids alone with dogs because it can be their babysitter. I don't know if you saw that in that article. Oh, they call the staffy the staffy the bull. Tra- yeah. Maybe in 1950, when people were outside hanging out in the street while every neighbor was watching, like in the Bowery Boys, right, was Spanky. And back in the day, you don't even know who Spanky is, do you? I do. Yes. Believe it or not. Okay. So, I mean, the, I think this is the article that had the Basset Hound, correct? I think so. Yeah. Like people think Basset Hounds because they're so like long and they droop and they kind of walk with a kind of like, but I'm, but I'm, but I'm gate. They're not lazy dogs. Plenty of people hunt with Basset Hounds. Okay. Now they do stink. Because they're like beagles. They have 
you know, I don't know what the glands are. They're oily glands, right? <laughs> and they said they don't ever want to go anywhere. Well, you know what? Let's say someone walks in with a funky odor. That basset will have his nose to the ground and, of course, follow you outside. So, I mean, it's so crazy with this crap that they they have out there. Alyssa, what can pet owners take away from this discussion? So the key thing here is do your research. Do not just go to one article, read something that fits your narrative of your life and think that is exactly what I want. This is how this dog should be and, and take it as gospel pretty much. So when you get a dog, there are so many different variables and your life could change and just anything. Just know that when you're reading these articles, they are writing them to get you to click on them. And not everything in there is going to be true. And there's going to be ads and all kinds of stuff in there also. So people are paying for their, their goal is to get you on that site, no matter what it takes, no matter what the information is on there. And not everybody is an expert. Alyssa, thank you for joining us today for this important discussion. Can you share your website so that our listeners can learn more about you and expert? Our website is www.pawandorder.com. Thank you. Pawandorder.com, favorite dog trainer. Just to remind you, that was Alyssa Weimer discussing clickbait headlines that can be extremely deceptive and manipulative to pet parents, as well as potential dog owners. So whatever you read, be wary, as well as maybe check out some of the resources that are there. Love to share pet news from around the world, especially if you're a golden lover. And now, Pet Buzz news from around the globe. Well, did you know the Golden Retriever breed is 155 years old? The Guchin House in the Scottish Highlands is said to be the birthplace of three dogs that form the standard for the Golden Retriever breed. Every five years, hundreds of Goldens gather at the scenic ruins of Guchin House to celebrate. This year, actually last week, for the Golden Retriever's 155th anniversary goldens from all over including australia japan north america along with local pups from all over europe and the uk headed for their scottish ancestral birthplace carol henry the secretary of the golden retriever club of scotland told the bbc the purpose of these joyous events is to share knowledge about the breed and discourage irresponsible breeding for a breed that is prone to cancer cataracts, hip dysplasia, knee issues, and skin problems. I'll give an amen to that. Well, time for the good stuff before we wrap it up. News of the day got you down? No worries. Pet trendologist Charlotte Reed is here with Tell Me Something Good. This is a necessity like air and oxygen. Tell me something good. 
Well, I'm happy to report that Tucker, the chocolate lab who helped capture the escaped convict, Michael Burnham, was awarded $2,000 as a reward by the Warren County Crime Stoppers for his heroics last week. U.S. Marshals and Pennsylvania Crime Stoppers each put up $10,000 each for the information leading to Burnham's capture. The outlet reported plans are in place for Tucker's owners to receive the remaining reward money. Tucker's parents will use some of the $2,000 to treat him or to spoil their dog with goodies like a new collar, a bucket of tennis balls, some toys, and a tasty treat. He was even treated to a ribeye steak. Now that's my fave, the night of the ceremony. Go Tucker, and once again, congratulations. You are the ultimate watchdog, and we here at the Pet Buzz are proud of you. Woofty. Well, it's a wrap. The bells, that's our signals to wrap up the show. But before we go, we want to give you a preview of next week's show. So next week, we're talking about new research about HRI, that's heat-related illness. This is important because so many of us around the world are experiencing a heat wave. And Dr. Jean Pavlosky from the University of Illinois will be joining us to discuss how pets can age gracefully, how those senior pets can live with dignity and comfort. Well, let me give special thanks to our guests this week, Dr. Natasha Olby and Alyssa Weimer. Great. And we always want to thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin coat and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. Now, if you just visit the EpiPet site, purchase their great products by using the code, the pet buzz, and you will get the 25% discounts, and that's the pet buzz. So if you have any questions, write to us at team at the pet We will love to cover it on next week's show. And if you've missed any portion of the show, visit our social media channels, as well as your favorite streaming channel and listen to the link podcast on Monday morning. But most importantly, remember we're here each week to help you take better care of your pets. Peace out and pet love. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pet Buzz. The Pet Buzz is hosted by the dynamic pet duo, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. www.thepetbuzz.com Learn more about us, the show, and our guests.